So the big question is this, what would you do if money didn't matter? Say you had millions in your bank account, what would you focus on? Would you spend more time with your family, with your wife, with your kids, take family vacations? Would you pursue your gifts and talents and dreams? Serve your local community, teach others, serve your church community. You see, if what you would do if money didn't matter is pursue your gifts and talents and dreams to serve others, then that is probably what you should be doing. The problem is most people are in the rat race living five inches in front of their face with no time to pursue what they were born to do. That is the problem and the solution is to develop enough passive income to replace your working income so you can quit your job and be free to live your life the way you were created to. That is the solution and this podcast will show you how. All right, what's up everybody? We are here with Dan Nitschke. Dan is an expert real estate investor here in the New Orleans area. Uh, but really, you know, like myself, he's kind of from all over the place. He grew up in Montana, uh, then went to coach skiing in upstate New York, started a printing business in Santa Barbara, California, set up a franchise in Louisiana, sold the business, uh, found his niche in real estate, and even went from talking to three bankruptcy attorneys because things were so bad to now, living financially free through real estate investing. He's executed a ton of real estate strategies like wholesaling, spec homes, renovations, doubles, renting, lease options, tax liens, foreclosures, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. In fact, he has his own YouTube channel where he volunteers very valuable free information about his real estate investing activities and even gives you some construction tips. Dan's got an incredible story that I asked him to share with you guys today. So if you ever feel like you just want the results of a bad decision to end, you need to listen to his story. And if you feel there's no way out, your back's up against the wall, you definitely need to listen to Dan's story. Now, Dan is a husband and father of four. He's a man of faith, and he's blessing us with his story today and sharing it with you so that you can be inspired in your situation. Because I've done mentoring for a long time, and I get to hear where people are in their journey and kind of the struggles that they have. And I know that Dan's story is very similar to many people's stories. It just has a few more chapters written. So Dan, welcome to the show and thank you for being with us today. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, great introduction. Yeah, well, yeah, my pleasure. Um, so let's just start out with, you know, what were some of the struggles that you had that kind of led you to select real estate as a vehicle you would use to drive out of those struggles yeah I kind of um, I kind of fell backwards into real estate I wasn't really looking for uh, a career in real estate um, at the time uh, but it was at a point where I needed to make a change um, as Ryan said in 1994 I moved out to Louisiana to uh, uh, take over a failing printing business uh, which uh, I ran as a part of a franchise and for nine years I sacrificed my soul to that business 60 to 80 hours a week I mean I killed myself and here's one thing that I was thinking about earlier today is the longer you're in a business it should get easier for you it should not get harder um, but as I found in my printing business, as I begin to grow it and grow it rapidly, um, I needed to fund that growth. And my growth was based on my receivables that was 30, 60, sometimes 90 days outstanding. Uh, 
and here I'm, I'm doubling my revenue coming in, adding more equipment, adding more employees, adding more space. And it, I, I can tell you on a number of occasions where I forego my paycheck so everyone else got paid before I did. And as a, as a business continued to grow, it didn't get easier, it got harder because I ramped up our production to a 24-hour service industry to where if you gave me something today, I delivered it to you tomorrow. And that required three shifts and then that required uh, middle management and that became issues between departments fighting against each other and when I got to about 34, 36 employees, I, I told my wife, I said, I don't care what we do after this. I just got to get out of this business. I got to get free. It's eating me up alive. And it took me three years to sell that business. I had no idea what I was going to do after it was finished. Um, and I kind of dabbled in a couple things. But here's what I tell you. I wanted out of that business so bad, I walked away with $30,000 cash. And uh, he paid off all the debt. And then we were structuring the rest of the deal on paper, which meaning he was going to pay me over maybe six, seven years over time. And I would, I could count on that money to live on. Well, the business is not an easy business. He bankrupted in six months. What took me nine years to build, he, he collapsed in six months. So realistically, I, I got that $30,000 as my start. And that's what I built my my portfolio on today was that $30,000 investment, believe it or not. Hey guys, this is your host, Ryan Ank, and I just want to take a quick break from the interview to let you know that if you want to get off the sidelines and get into the game yourself, real estate has made more millionaires than any other industry. Now, there are three strategies that we use, including the successful strategies that Dan is talking about today. To see what these strategies are and how we have helped students, no matter what their prior experience, to get started with real estate and start creating passive income and financial freedom so that you could do what you would do if money didn't matter, then check out www.cashflowdadlife.com slash top three. That's the number three. Again, it's www.cashflowdadlife.com slash top three. And you can see for yourself how it works and how to get started. And now back to our interview with Dan. And um, by the grace of God, I'm going to tell you guys, um, I am so fortunate to be in real estate. When you, when you are, when you get to do something every single day that doesn't feel like work, what a treat, what a joy that is to feel like I'm excited to go tackle on the day and see what, uh, what challenges I have. It's not like I had with the printing business where I had customer complaints and cash flow issues and um, managing uh, employees and my equipment, uh, all those headaches I didn't want any part of. And so I was looking for an industry and a business that was completely opposite, that uh, wasn't dependent on equipment or employees. I, I always told my, my wife, if, I, if it was just me, just me and no one else, I can do so much better. If I'm relying on that $6 an hour employee, then my whole day is shot just because one guy didn't do his job. Yeah, and so, so that's, that's how that uh, started out. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I always say that there's two things that you look for, whether it's a new business or real estate, and it's the business element, the ROI is one, but the second one yeah. is what we call 
ROA and that's return on aggravation. You know, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah absolutely. ROI and lower ROA, you know. Yeah. So, so what was, yeah, so, what was the main strategy you used to, to, you know, get started with? Okay. Well, um, blind luck, really. Um, we, uh, we had a friend of ours that had, uh, her parents had a house in Gonzales, which is about, probably about 50 miles from here going uh, west towards Baton Rouge. And um, the, the house that the parents owned was in a fire and uh, they got fully paid out on insurance content and, and the structure itself. They got hundred percent paid out. So they really just wanted to walk away from this house that was involved in the fire it was burned, but not badly. It was mostly smoke damage. Uh, none of the kids wanted the house. And so um, one of our friends had uh, watched us renovate our house and knew that I was very interested in, in working on real estate and, and um, just by what we did with our own personal residence. Uh, offered us to go take a look at this house in Gonzales and we drove up there and looked at it and as I'm this is really good because uh, during the conversation even though I didn't have any real estate background experience or anything with negotiation I just asked a lot of questions and so I wanted to know why he was selling it um, I wanted to understand what he was doing after he sold it where where they were going to move what his plans were and what I found out in that conversation was he didn't really care because he got all of his money. They already moved into a really nice townhouse. He was so happy. It was on the golf course. And his big deal was he was selling the house for land value. And when he said land value and I looked at the structure and I said, this is just smoke damage. I can do this. I can totally do this. We ended up negotiating a deal for $15,000. I bought a 3,600 square foot house with two kitchens, a mother-in-law suite and a regular house, nice backyard. And I proceeded to work on it on my own, no employees. Um, I, I took my $30,000, we bought it. I went to a bank and got a collateral loan uh, to, to do the renovations. And let me tell you something, in the next year, the 12 months that it took me to work on that house, I did everything wrong everything i hired the wrong people i used the wrong uh, materials i um i tried to cheap out on certain areas and made it worse and had to redo it again i did everything wrong and at the end of the day i walked away with a check for fifty six thousand dollars profit and i looked at that check and i looked at my wife and i said you know i think i know what i want to do and, and that was the start. That's how we got involved in real estate. Oh, Ryan, you, you put your earphones in. I can't hear you. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I sure can. All right, sorry about that. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because you listen to that story and you're like, wow, you must have just lived happily ever after, after that happened. And, uh, <laughs> You know, and so you, you got into this rhythm and to, to make a long story short, you got in this rhythm and you started getting good at it and you, you made a ton of money, but then it's kind of a rags to riches to rags to riches. <laughs> Back to riches, yeah. <laughs> so, can you, so you're blown and going, you're making all this money, then what happens? 
Yeah, so uh, right after that, um, I had a friend turn me in uh, onto low-income rental units. And in New Orleans, it's a fantastic market. Uh, you can buy a lot of old, beat-up shotgun duplexes for next to nothing. I'm talking back then, it was forty to $60,000 you could buy into something. And, and literally, uh, to, to coin Ryan's uh, phrase, put, pig on a, uh, put lipstick on a pig. Uh, we were able to just kind of clean these properties up and re-rent them to subsidize housing, low-income type tenants. To me, I looked at it like this. These guys are my customers. And if I take care of my customers, they will take care of me. And so I really put a lot of emphasis on being a good landlord, uh, solving any kind of problems that presented themselves and, and provided a good product, the best product I could at the time. And so we were killing it. And, and this formula, I told Paulette, I said, you know, this just doesn't seem legal. I don't know how you can do this, but there are so many ways to save money in taxes on real estate and absorb additional income through refinancing that mortgage into a permanent mortgage where you pull cash out. And so we would buy something, I'll just give you a scenario. We would buy something, let's just say $60,000. I would put $20,000 into it, so I'm $80,000 max into this property. It would appraise for 170. I would borrow 70, 75% LTV, which is loan to value. So 75% of 180,000 roughly is like around 130, 140. I got 80 into it. We would pull out 60,000 cash. That's tax-free, by the way. You're not paying tax on money that you borrow. $60,000 cash we would pull out and I would go do it again. And I'd do it again and again. And after a while, once I got a crew, I wasn't just doing one pro uh, property at a time. I was doing two, three, four, five, six at a time until the music stopped. And I'm going to fast forward. Well, let, let's one step back. Let me take you one step back because this is an important part of the equation. So, um, one of the worst things that could have happened to me and also the best thing that could have happened to me was Hurricane Katrina. We had all of our, all of our eggs in one basket and that was in real estate and that was in New Orleans. Hurricane Katrina comes and just wipes the city out. And I'm thinking to myself, we spent two months uh, in Florida trying to even just get back home. And once we got back home, it was um, just chaotic. Um, we didn't know how we were going to survive from that, but it actually turned out to be quite a blessing because we, everything was insured and the insurance companies paid out quite well. Now I'm a general contractor, so I'm basically paying myself to fix up my own properties. And we did very, very well. Uh, matter of fact, I had more money than common sense at the time and just went nuts bought a jet boat, bought four-wheelers, bought um, any kind of toy I wanted. We built a 5,000-square-foot house on the lake. Um, we, I just felt like I could do no wrong. At the time, uh, I wrote a check for $200,000 towards a real estate investment trust in San Antonio, Texas. I bought a historic log cabin up in Red Lodge, Montana, which is where my family is and where I'm from. And I also bought a 50-unit apartment complex that was completely flooded and destroyed by Hurricane Katrina. And then I bought some land 
on a prestigious neighborhood in on the lake in, in Slidell. So I, I had all these investments. I was just spending money crazy. It didn't make any sense as far as which way, but I always looked at it as like, it doesn't matter what I do. It all turns into gold. I mean, I got the golden touch. It all works out in the end until the dominoes started to fall in on each other. And so uh, probably the first thing that happened after that was uh, 2006, 2007, the real estate mortgage crisis happened. Um, what, where I was at personally, I think I was on five or six duplexes that I was building. And, um, and I was at the time using a hard money lender to borrow money to acquire. Cause I like, you know, here's what I like to do. I like to come in and offer or make an offer all cash. I'm closing in two weeks. I'll waive inspections. I don't care. I want the best price on the, on the best deal. And I'm your best guy. And a lot of times I can get a very competitive, uh, uh, offer putting in that way. And, and the way I do that is I use hard money and then put it into a construction loan and then proceed on throughout the project. What had happened in 2006 is, like I said, the, we were, it was musical chairs, the music stopped, and there was no chair to sit in after I was standing looking around, what am I going to do? And so the problem was my properties weren't finished. I owed a lot of money to a hard money investor. I had to refinance them, but the banks weren't lending. And I couldn't sell any asset that I have because the values were now underwater, meaning that I had leveraged and borrowed all that money that was so easy to get on those cash out refis. I borrowed all that money so I could reinvest it back into the business. And, um, now all of a sudden I owed more than it was worth and I was upside down and I was trying to figure out going, I'm bleeding. I mean, the, the apartment complex was $7,500 a month. The, uh, the, the cabin in Red Lodge was $1,800 a month. I had all these mortgages that were money was going out, but it wasn't passive income coming back in. I didn't have anything to replace the money that was going out. I was just bleeding every single month. Long story short, I just, uh, I'll condense this part of it. Uh, the, I had to sell the 50 unit apartment complex after uh, copper got stolen out of it and the insurance didn't cover it. And um, I sold it to a guy who ended up suing me after he bought it, which put it into a, bankruptcy type uh, litigation process for, for six years. Um, the real estate investment trust that I bought in San Antonio went bankrupt. Uh, so that money wasn't coming back. The, the, because I had the, the historic log cabin in, in Red Lodge, which is a ski resort town, that is a secondary home market. So that was the first thing to be affected with the housing crisis. So I couldn't sell that. I couldn't rent it out. I mean, it was, I was stuck. So I had to do, I had to make some tough decisions. And I seriously sat down with three different bankruptcy attorneys, laid out everything in front of them and said, how do I get out of this mess? I, I, I don't see any way out of this. I'm, and, and I'm holding the weight of the world on my shoulders trying to balance everything and make sure everyone's getting paid while every month 
I'm just being bled dry from all of these expenses going, there's no end in sight. And I got, I, I don't have a game plan. I don't have anything beyond this to, to get me out of this mess. And so it's literally by the grace of God, we were able to just kind of climb out of the hole, just one deal at a time. I mean, let me tell you, for, for a while there, we, we sold the house on the lake, sold the jet boat, sold the four-wheelers, um, sold the cabin in Montana for a loss, sold the 50-unit uh, apartment complex for a loss. Uh, I just liquidated whatever I could just to, just to get out from where I was. We, uh, my wife had to go back to work. Um, I, um, I ended up just doing anything I could to do make money. I was building fences, uh, chicken coops, uh, bathroom remodels. Uh, I was, I was hustling, man. I had, look, I had four kids to support and, and I had no, and, and I had a father-in-law that was behind me pointing his bony finger at me all the way saying, I told you that this was built on a house of cards. And I'm thinking, what have I done? What have I done? I've completely screwed up my life. I, it was by far the lowest point of my life, having to approach my wife and just lay it all out on the table. Hey, financially, this is where we're at. You're going to have to put the kids in school because we homeschool. You have to put the kids in school. I need you to get your job back. We got to sell the house and we got to downsize. And it crushed me. I mean, it humbled me beyond words um, by going through that exercise. I, and, and look, where I'm coming from today and why I'm sharing this story is I don't want that to happen to any one of you guys. If you're looking at getting into this, um, timing is everything in real estate. Ryan and I were talking about that the other day. I mean, good times and bad times, you're going to have to roll with the punches. But it's being able to forecast those decisions and rather than speculate on it, be a wise investor, count the cost and really calculate where you're going. And if I can share my story to help alleviate you from some of those pitfalls, then my goal is done. And that's what I want to do because if someone had pulled me aside and said, Hey Dan, you could actually flip that 50 unit apartment complex and make 150 grand overnight with not doing anything instead of trying to do it, man, what a difference that would have made in my life. It would have changed the course of where I am at today tenfold. I had to learn a very hard lesson and it was an expensive lesson. And I just don't want that to happen to anyone else. You know, that's, you know, God, God has a way of humbling us. You know, sometimes <laughs> you're rocking and rolling and, and you got the Midas touch and everything turns to gold. And then bam, you just, you know, and, and, and right when you're like, all right, God, I get it. That's not when the pain ends, you know? Yeah, we still have a work in progress here. <laughs> so, so give, give, uh, give everybody some of the ways that you kind of worked your way out of it because you worked your way out of it since then. You didn't well, it will, yeah, yeah. And, and, and look, I, I can sympathize with people now who have filed bankruptcy and have had to make those decisions because um, I, was, I was in debt big time, six figures in debt, you know, and I'm thinking there's no other way out. And for me, it wasn't, 
I, I realized the, the depth of the monetary investment that I had made and where I was and what I owed, but it was more than that. It was the pressure and it was the stress. And I get it now. Bankruptcy gives you a way to just flip a switch and start fresh, like hit the reset button and start over. And I wanted that and I wanted to be free, uh, but I had obligations. And I also had um, the attorneys that I, I sought counsel from, they looked at everything I had and said, Dan, you've got far too many assets uh, for you to declare bankruptcy. You, you, you really just need to, to stick it out. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I don't even know how I'm gonna get through the end of the week. I mean, I don't even know how I'm going to provide for my family, let alone hold on to all this real estate. And so it was, it was not easy. I mean, like I said, I just, we, we rented out, I think at the time I had maybe 40, 45 units that were my rental properties, but they were kicking off maybe two to $5,000 a month income, um, which is not a lot when you consider that I was spending at least probably around fifteen to twenty thousand dollars outgoing just in mortgages alone. So that five thousand dollars doesn't last very long, uh, especially when you're trying to support a family. And so I held on to those rental properties and over a period of time I was able to sell one off here and get a little bit of money and, and kind of square up this line of credit over there and then sell off another one. And then uh, I'll be damned, but ten years later I got a phone call from a friend of mine that was involved in the real estate trust that went bankrupt. And he said, are you sitting down? And I said, no, should I? He says, well, let me just tell you something. We were able to restructure the deal. We found a buyer and we were able to sell it. You're going to get all your money back. And I thought about wanting to cry. And so I got that $200,000 back, believe it or not, after 10 years of holding on to that thing. And that was like my first, like, real solid foothold. Like I could use that now and I could step. Here's an interesting point. I was in all of that and I'm thinking, what on earth am I going to do? Where Do I get a job at Home Depot? I'm certainly not going back into the printing business. Um, what are my, What's my skill set? I've got a family now to support. What is it that I want to do? And and I, I, uh, I did a mental process in my mind, uh, a scorecard, if you will, as far as what are the things that are most important to me and why. And you know what? My family, my church, uh, being financial free to do the things that I want to do and how I want to do it, those were the top four things on my list. And when I sat down and looked at that saying, okay, what industry can I do? What, what can I do to get all of that and create an income and, and a living? And I kept coming back to real estate. I proved it before. I just fell into hard times by making some really bad choices. So I re-strategized. I went back to the, the pad and pencil and, and I sat down and I tried to figure out, okay, what do I need to do? And at the time I started building new construction and I was building new construction duplexes and I was also uh, flipping. And, and flipping is a great business as long as the market's good. Um, and New Orleans was a great uh, market to do just that because after Hurricane Katrina, we had all of these blighted properties all over the city. And I was able to pick them up fairly inexpensive and go back to what I did before. But 
it's a lot harder now when uh, the banks are a lot tighter with their money. So uh, I had to get creative and look for solutions. Did a couple bond for deeds where I financed the, the deals with other people's money. It's one thing that I love about real estate. There's not like one simple formula that you can say, do X, Y, and Z, and you'll be, you know, here. The more creative you can get and the more you understand what your seller's goals are, you can oftentimes work out a very equitable deal for yourself and for them, a win-win solution for everyone that is uh, going to be good for you and what you're looking for and good for them for what they're looking for. So that asking a lot of questions is really, really important and, and, and hunting for those deals. So um, kind of got off track there, Ryan. Um, help, help me bring, bring me back a line. Where, where are we going now? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I could talk forever, man. I could talk. That was the perfect detour because there are so many gems of wisdom in that detour. So thank you for that. Uh, but, you know, you know, so you went, you went from rags to riches, you worked your way out of it. And basically you worked your way out of it. The, the lesson that, that I think I want to reaffirm is that you kind of stayed in your lane with real estate because you're like, you know, I could go work at Home Depot or I could do this, but really you had a skill set already in front of you, in your brain, that if just applied, you could work your way out of it. And you just decided to sit down, do a moral inventory, do, a, do an inventory of your own capital, you know, uh, of what your own, you know, abilities were. And you just utilized it, you know, and just, and just did what you could do within that skill set. So, I mean, that, and that's how you got out of it. You know, that's how you. Well, and look, so here's lessons learned from that, right? So uh, in 2006, when things went bad, uh, I was underwater and over leveraged with my properties. And I made a vow to me that I would never find myself in that position ever again. And so we, uh, we climbed out of the hole. Um, since then, uh, we've moved a few times and, and uh, just continued to work hard, man. Just work hard. Just grind it out. I mean, that's when your back's up against the wall and there's nowhere else to turn. Just put your head down and just keep plowing forward, man. Just don't look back. Don't look at the past. Just keep moving forward keep working those deals, keep finding a solution. It's out there. And so I kept grinding away at it. And uh, I, I think by now I was up to 50, 55 units. And I'm, I'm at this time, I'm doing spec houses. I'm doing flips. I'm building new construction duplexes. I've got 50 plus units that I'm managing and, and I'm losing my mind. And my, my wife's going, this is starting to look like the old days where I never saw you again. And I think a lot of that's based on fear. I was afraid to fall back into the same trap again, that I'm, I'm going to end up in a dead end where I've got nowhere to turn. And I didn't want that. So I sat down again and I looked at my cash flow statement. I have a spreadsheet that's pretty detailed. And I love spreadsheets. If you guys aren't into Excel, man, I love to crunch numbers. I love to see how everything fits. And so I have a pretty detailed month by month cash flow analysis of what I've done from day one, from the very first day that I've started real estate. I have this track record that shows me what I bring in and what my passive income is every month. And so I was looking at that at my 50 units and I may have been making like around seven, eight, $9,000 in net income. That's after everything's paid off. And um, 
I'm just frazzled. I mean, like burnt out. And I'm just like every day there's, there's another fire to put out and there's another issue. And this tenant just bailed on me and they left the house a complete mess. And I got to file an eviction over there. And I got an AC that went out over there. And I mean, I'm just running around in circles and managing new construction and the flips and buying deals. It was, it was just chaotic. And I said, man, I've got to simplify this. I've got to figure out a better way. And I sat down, I said, man, let's see if, well, let's just take this chunk of properties here. My, my, the, the, the biggest headaches I had, the ones that were in the worst neighborhood with the worst tenants that were the hardest to rent out. And I thought if I could just like, I don't even need to make money. I just, if I could just get rid of them, how much easier my life would be that I would just be able to do that. And at the same time I was thinking about that, I had a, a, a guy that was cutting my grass and he, he cut all my yards for me and he, we ran into each other someplace and he's like, man, I want to do what you do. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He says, I, I see all these properties here that I'm cutting grass for and, and, uh, and how, how, do, how can I do what you do? And I said, well, if you're serious about it, Let's go have lunch and I'll tell you all about it. And so I sat down with this guy. He's a, at the time he was 24 years old. And I said, look, this is how I got into it. And this is what I did. And this is how I did it. And I said, you know what? I think you can do it too. And his question to me was, I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. I don't have money. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about your situation. So it turns out he was living, he, he actually had a house. And the house had equity in it. And, um, um, and I, I mean, I was a, a willing seller and I said, you know what, I can, I can show you a way that, uh, I can, I'll, I'll sell you four duplexes with 5% down and we'll convert them over into permanent financing for you. And that's all you need. So I, uh, I sold those at, I think $200,000 a piece or thereabouts, like 180 to $200,000. And so that was like nine, roughly $35,000, I think is what he came up with when he pulled that, uh, he, he got a second line on his house. He pulled that money out. He used that as a good faith, earnest deposit. And then we did a bond for deed. And a bond for deed is where I hold title. He uh, makes a promise to maintain the property and, and make the mortgages and make the payments and pay, make the insurance. And once he's seasoned, seasoned being once he's owned it for a minimum of six months, then he can go to a bank and refinance it based on the equity, the value that's over and above what he owes um, against that mortgage. And he's didn't come out of pocket any more money than what he originally did. And so that's what we did with no money, none of his own money. He used bank money. And you know, that's, that's a, maybe you hear this too, Ryan. Um, I, I, I can't do it because I don't have money uh, or I can't do it because I have a job or I can't do it because uh, I, I'm too committed in other areas. You're your worst enemy. I mean, if you feel like you can't do it, then um, you need to go find something different because there are so many different avenues to make real estate successful if you do it correctly. And you don't have to follow the typical 20% down Fannie Mae product that's out there. You can do it a lot of different creative ways as long as you uh, try to understand 
what the seller's goals are, what your goals are, and how you can make those two work together. And so anyways, he bought them, uh, took those off of my hands, and uh, it gave me a little bit of extra money, which was nice. It took the headaches off of my, you know, the funny thing, probably those, those eight units were probably causing me probably about 60% of my headaches. And it just went away overnight. And all of a sudden I said, you know what? I think I'm onto something here. Let's sell some more. So my goal was to sell off half my portfolio and pay off the other half. If I could pay off, if I could sell off half and pay off half, I would be cash flowing triple what I was doing, managing half as less and cherry picking the best of the best. And so uh, it took me four years. Um, but I would take a, I'd take a property, whether it's a duplex or a single family, I would take it and I would update it. I, meaning I put probably a hundred grand into it, but I'd turn around and resell it after it was completely finished. It happened to be in a really good market, a great time. That's another thing that we talked about earlier was timing. So um, when I bought in these neighborhoods, it was after Katrina, it was depressed, it was uh, crime ridden, it was nasty. But 10 years had passed now, and the LSU Med Center had been built, and this particular area that I was in called Mid-City was really starting to pop. And what was really, the, my first indication was, was when I fixed up my first house and put it up for sale, uh, it was in the low 400s, it went for over asking price. I had a, um, a highest and best opportunity where I had multiple offers coming in, and they actually paid me over asking price for the property. And I said, man, okay, let's, let's unload some more. And so I was able to sell off all those properties in Mid-City for a premium. What I paid 60000 for, put another hundred into it, I was selling them for over four hundred. And so that, that covered a lot of mistakes, man. Uh, it helped a lot. Now, let's, let's take that same scenario where I was able to hold on to it. But 10 years earlier, when I was struggling and trying to figure out how I was going to make this work and thinking about just going into the banker's office and dropping the keys on his desk saying, look, they're your problem now. I'm out of here. What would have happened if I would have walked away? Yeah. If I just, I, oh, I'm telling you. And, and it, it gave me an opportunity just by sticking it out, just by grinding it out day after day. It finally came full circle. That market came hot as anything else, and I was able to sell it for a great profit. Paid off a ton. I didn't pay off all my debt, but I paid off a ton of it. And my cash flow went from like six to eight thousand dollars to like fifteen to sixteen thousand dollars a month. And then I went back to my wife and I said, "Hey, guess what? I think I'm ready to retire. Right. I I don't need any more money than this." And so. What I found after about two weeks of um, piddling around the house and working in my garage is like, I can't do this. I just, I love real estate. I love what I do. Yeah. And so I jumped in with both feet and currently I'm building new construction and, uh, and I'm not doing any specs, uh, which are where I'm building like a, a standard floor plan of a single family house and then selling it, or I'm not even doing any renovations. Last year, I did a renovation. It took me 16 months. We put it on the market for $1.5 I always wanted to do a, a high-end luxury home. 
uh, it's, it's interesting because you, 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 the grass is always greener. You think like there's a better place, there's something better, or I, I need to change my formula and do that over there. And I was always enamored by the high-end luxury home market. It's just sexy, you know? It's just like, you know, high-end Thermador stoves and budget is no object because it's got to be the best. And um, so I ended up putting $1.3 million into this house, 16 months of my time. Guess what I sold it for? $1.3 million. Oh. So I spent I spent 16 months working for free, leveraging my butt to do a very sexy, very high end luxury home. That uh, there's not a whole lot of buyers out there for that. So it was a great lesson. And you know what? I keep coming back to the same thing. I keep coming back to my formula. My formula is a simple three bedroom, two bath floor plan. It's a duplex. And it's, um, it takes me about three to four months to build and they're rented out before they're finished. Why, why on earth have I ever deviated from that plan is beyond me. But I, I, I'm one of those guys that has to learn the hard way. I've got to pound my head against a brick wall until I finally figure it out. And I got it. I got it now. And I'm not, and look, it, I get distracted by shiny things all over the place, but I am that laser focused on where I want to go. And this year I'm on not, I got nine duplexes that are slotted to build and that's going to increase my, my, um, my passive income. Those nine units are going to increase my passive income by $10,000 a month. Amazing. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this is what a lot of people like, you know, it's you, you and I talked about this, but it's, you know, it, it's, it's about following the blueprint. You know, if you want to get it started in stock investing, there's a blueprint for that. If you want to do real estate investing, there's a blueprint for that. And a lot of times the challenge is like just to keep on going bigger, 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 or to try something new or be the first to the market or, you know, to, to get out of your lane. But a lot of the times it just serves you way much or much better to just stay in your lane and follow the blueprint of what works. Well, and it's, it's slow, it's steady. It's not all at once. And you know what? What's enticing is like one of my best flips I did is I bought a house. It had black mold in it. Um, everyone was terrified. I wasn't afraid of it. I mean, I shoot. I'm, we're just going to gut it anyways. And within two months, we had it back on the market and I made $150,000. That, that's pretty awesome. I mean, and, and so you, you kind of think like, well, I could do that again. I could do that again. I mean, shoot, that was, that was two months and it was, but you know, for every good deal, I could probably tell you three deals that probably went south, you know? And, and so you, you, you kind of have to look at it from a very realistic perspective, what, and, and set some really solid goals for what you want to do. So you're at the phase now where you're, you know, by definition, financially free and, and, we say that in the beginning of the, of the podcast, you know, it, what would you do if money didn't matter? So now you're at the point where your passive income is more than providing for yourself. You could decide not to do uh, real estate tomorrow or not to do anything tomorrow. Tinker around in your garage, as you said, but you're at the point where you're, you're financially free, where you're doing what you would do if money didn't matter. turns out that's real estate, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Well, what are some of the other passions and goals you're able to fulfill because of that? Well, well if, you're, if you look well, at your profile picture, you're wakeboarding, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I have my, I have my, um, that's, that's something else that I really enjoy is my free time. And, um, you know, I, I work hard, um, as you as well, but um, I get to choose the hours that I want to work hard, right? And so if it's a windy day and I want to go kiteboarding, I can drop what I'm doing today and go kiteboarding. Uh, if it's a nice morning and I want to go play golf with some friends, I can stop what I'm doing and go play golf with some friends and then go to work afterwards. Um, I, I love the fact that we're, we homeschool and uh, we're looking at buying an RV now and we can take trips with the kids at a moment's notice. I'm not, I'm not tied down to a school system, to a 40-hour work week where I'm punching a clock, to anything. I am choosing what I want to do and how I want to do it. And so – that's exciting to be able to share that and say, yes, if I can, if I did it, you can do it too. Here's an interesting thing. You asked me what, what my goals are now is I, I really want to empower other people. Um, and uh, if I can just take a moment uh, to brag on my daughter, I have a 20 year old. She's in uh, Santa Barbara, California. Uh, she's a web designer and she's, she's a hard worker. Uh, she saved up her money uh, last year and she actually had $25,000 and asked her mom, what do you guys do with your money? That's kind of funny that my daughter would ask my wife what we end up doing with our money when she's seen us. Um, but Paulette had said, you know, you need to talk to your dad. So she approached me and uh, I said, well, look, hon, if, um, if I was 20 years old and someone was able to impart wisdom and knowledge into my 20 year old self, what would I tell them? I would say, get involved in real estate. It's such a great uh, platform to create additional income and equity as you grow um, throughout your life that you'll always have. And so she bit the bullet and I said, look, if you want to go buy a lot, I'll give you some parameters of where to look. And um, if you buy a lot, I will build you a duplex at cost. No, you know, I'll just, whatever my labor material is, I'll, I'll, that'll be my gift to you. And sure enough, she bought a lot for $22,000. Now listen how awesome this story is. Oh my gosh, I get excited. So she bought this piece of land for $22,000. She saved up 25. So she bought it for 22. Um, we formed an LLC. And so I'm 50% owner and she's 50% owner. And we went to the bank to get a construction loan. The construction loan appraised the value of the property after it was like, I gave them the plans and they looked at everything and said, if you do all of this, it will be worth this $298,000. So um, I told her it costs $180,000 to build this duplex. So you're going to be into it for 200. So the bank says, we'll loan you. $247,000 to build this. So I built it for 180,000. She has her 22 into it. So she's now into it for $202,000. The bank loaned her 247,000. So she started off with 22. She's now got $47,000 in her bank account. And she now has two tenants that are paying $1,400 a month in income. Her mortgage is $1,145. Her taxes and her insurance are probably just roughly about $400 a month. So she's, her monthly nut is about $1,700. I, 
I do property manage it for her for 10%. So I take out my, my 280. That was part of the deal. And she's netting over $1,000 a month for the rest of her life while she goes to Santa Barbara and she works over there. So she looked at this and she said, oh my gosh, that pays for all my rent in California. She goes, how can I do this again? I said, well, it's easy, just the same way we did it the last time. <laughs> so today, today, actually today is the day that we went and bought her second property from. So she took that $45,000, $47,000 that was in the bank account. We bought another lot for $22,500, and we're going to build her second. She's 20 years old. So if you say that I am, um, I'm too young, I can't do this, or I, I don't have enough money, I can't do this, or I don't have the knowledge, you're fooling yourself. It can be done. Educate yourself. Work hard. Grind it out. You'll find a solution. That, that is incredible. That, <laughs> I love that story. You know, now her brother, her brother now is, he's 17. He's saving his money like I've never seen him save it before because he looked, looked at her and said, well, dad, would you do the same thing for me? Well, of course. Yeah, of course I will. So his goal is to see the same thing that uh, Skylar did. He, he sees, yeah, he sees big sis doing it. You know, yeah. I, I, I heard a, um, I heard some preacher who's a famous preacher. He was talking about this and he goes, I know how to, I know how to write a book that no one will ever read. And it's called stick to it. You know, but that's, <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, you know, that's, that's such a, a beautiful story and, and to show you know, just the power of perseverance, you know, one, it shows the, the power of real estate as a vehicle to be financially free. It shows the power of your own personal perseverance and, you know, just the, the rags to riches to rags to riches, you know, you, you, it's, it's a lesson for everybody that, you know, you could be doing very well and make and you could get cocky. I, I've done it. Uh, you can, and, and I know that, you know, my wife is always the first person to, to tell me that I need, you know, I'm sure that yours is similar, but you know, it's such a, such an awesome story just to see how you can take a situation where you're literally talking to three bankruptcy attorneys and you worked out of it. You just, you just stuck to it. It, it wasn't overnight, but you're in a completely financially free position now. And you're at that, that level where you want to help others, which you know, we're, we're talking about that. We're going to get Dan involved uh, probably in, in some form or fashion to, to help some of the people in the cash flow dad life community. But Dan, thank you so much for sharing your incredible story. And, um, and thank you for your, your heart and your desire to help other people. And uh, for those of you listening, check him out on YouTube. He's got just a wealth of information out there. At Dan Nitschke. Dan Nitschke. And it's a little tricky. It's a N-I-T-S-C-H-K-E. Uh, you'll find it. <laughs> we'll, put it in the show. we'll put it in the show notes, guys. Well, Dan, thank you so much. It was an uh, uh, incredible pleasure interviewing you and, and, and getting to, to listen to you share your story. Thanks. Boom. Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You're going to want to listen to every episode as soon as it comes out because each episode has an, an idea or a strategy that could literally change your life. And listen, don't miss out on the free investor tools that I have for you on my website, CashflowDadLife.com. So go to CashflowDadLife.com and get your free swag. And listen, hit me up if you want to talk about how we can get you out of the rat race as soon as possible. Until next time, my name is Ryan Inc. and this was Cashflow Dad.